with me to the Inkwell Isles It's just off the coast, maybe 29 miles Where there's good and there's bad and then there's in between With Cuphead and Mugman, you'll see what I mean Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Ego Plum for the Cuphead Show, the animated series spun off from the wildly popular 2017 game called Cuphead. I spoke with Ego about a year ago for the first time, right before the release of season one of the Cuphead Show. Now there have been three seasons released on Netflix, and I just could not recommend it highly enough. And I was so grateful to get a chance to talk to Ego again, because the cartoon is great and the music is absolutely brilliant. In the series, Ego writes a lot of songs, you know, songs with lyrics. And he's released many of these songs on a new album called The Cuphead Show, Songs from the Netflix Series. You can find that album on Spotify and other streaming services. You can also buy it on Amazon. Find the video of my chat with Ego Plum on YouTube. Join us on Discord. The link is in the show notes. Support us on Patreon. That link is patreon.com slash level. Also, that, that link is in the show notes. All right, here's Ego Plum. It's been a wild ride. I mean, it's been one of the most rewarding series that I've ever worked on and the most difficult. I mean, the most um, intensive. There's a lot of notes in every episode <laughs> yeah. and uh, working, you know, trying to maintain strong melodies and make it feel like it's from this particular era, uh, recording live people remotely. You know, initially when the show started, before we started, we, I had this grand vision of getting all these players in a room together, one microphone in the center, like trying to record like an old time jazz group. Yeah. And then, of course, this little thing called the uh, pandemic began and threw you know, everything, all these plans out the window. Uh, we had to approach recording in all new ways, uh, players in different places, sending me files, recording it with different types of microphones in different rooms and taking all this stuff and trying to make it sound like it's all happening in one place. So there was a lot of studio yeah. trickery, the magic of Hollywood type stuff to create the illusion of a jazz band when it really was not a band in a room. It was just a bunch of different guys recording in different places. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing how much that's changed over the last couple of years. And, you know, I feel like mm. before the pandemic, there were people who were set up to do home recording, but few and far between compared to now, right? Where it's just like expected. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it was so interesting because I remember Netflix was sending out recording kits to like voice actors and they were having to set up stuff like in closets and people didn't really know what to do. And you'd hear dogs barking in the back <laughs> of a voiceover part. It was really wild. It was so unusual, but we got through it. I mean, a lot of shows have been produced now during that entire yeah. pandemic. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're really proud. I mean, looking back now that I finished, um, it's it, it was intense, but I'm so proud of all the work that uh, I was able to do. Well, yeah, because when we first chatted, it was almost exactly a year ago. I should have looked up the date because I would be able to know mm. exactly, but it's been like yeah. a, a year. And at the time, it, one season was about to come out, and or the first season was about to come out, and you'd been working on it for like years. So, <laughs> right. and and it had just been announced that seasons two and three were ordered or whatever, called up, right. whatever you TV people say. <laughs> 
Uh, and and so that's a considerably shorter amount of time for you to do two seasons than you had to work on the first right. season, right? So I'm just curious mm. what this last year has been like. Well, yeah, everything was back to back on my end. So sure. if I didn't know when season one or two started, like it, it all just kind of flowed. Okay. As far as post production. Uh, so I didn't really have an idea, like even what episodes were frankly going to be part of a certain season or another. Oh, okay. Um, I was just kind of working, barreling through everything towards the end. Um, you know, it, it's, it could be daunting when you think of like, you see the work, but you know, one trick I learned to get through the work is you take it honestly one day at a time. It's a cliche, but you yeah. really just think of it in terms of the episode in front of you. And if that's overwhelming, you think of it as in terms of the cue that you're working on at that moment. All I have to write is 45 seconds. Just focus on these 45 seconds and get through it. It's sort of like the only sort of way to get through this because it, it does become overwhelming if you mm -hmm. think of the big scheme of things and how much music you're actually composing. Well, and also how much happens in 45 seconds. Like being someone who to this day works in live radio, 45 seconds mm -hmm. is a damn eternity right? Like if you have to talk right. on the air for 45 seconds, you can say a lot in 45 seconds and you can oh, do yeah. the same with music, right? Because 45 seconds is a whole chase scene with 9,000 things going on. Absolutely. I, I think I've probably spent a whole day on 45 seconds just sure. trying to compose it and craft it. Um, yeah, that is, that is wild, but that's the only way to get through it. Like I said, break it into yeah. little chunks and work through it that way mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious about all these chase scenes. I they're just I mean, it's kind of the bread and butter of of animation in a lot of ways. That that kind of cartooning. Mm. It's like just chase scenes, right? They're so great and you know, you're so musically active obviously during the chase scenes. Um and I was I was just thinking about like how much input you're given with regards to posts throughout the chase scene. So let's say it is, let's not say 45, let's say 20 seconds. And are you sure. told, okay, at eight seconds, they're going to do a high five. And in 15, at 15 seconds, they're doing this. Or are you ego watching it and making those decisions? It's a combination of both. Okay. Um, at this point, I have, I mean, I'm so familiar with the language of animation and cartoons and that type right. of storytelling that it's sometimes obvious to me, but we always have a proper spotting session, which is when you sit down with the director and you watch the scenes without any music at all. And the director will point out, okay, look, this is when they start running, but there's a shift here because now they're really scared. But then all of a sudden something happens and they get this boost of confidence that they know they're going to get through this thing. So there's like emotional changes in the, in the uh, chase music that have to happen mm -hmm. like on a dime. Um, sometimes, most of the time I could figure that out, but you always need a director to sort of guide you along that path. Yeah. Um, and so that's what it's about. We, we sit together and oh, and often they have um, like a temp temporary piece of music. We call them temp tracks sure. that'll be in place. They're like a, a, a classic 1930s uh, fast jazz piece that they love. And it'll be a reference for style and feel. It'll sort of um, explain the, the type of energy. Maybe it's a kind of more of a fun chase rather than a spooky, uh, a scary chase or like it's not life or death, it's just playful. So you get a sense of the flavor and the instrumentation that they like, and that'll be enough to sort of send me on my way. I'll listen okay. to it, uh, I'll listen to a temp track for a few seconds. I don't even need to hear the whole thing. I just need to hear like the first 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden, like it all kind of just stays in my head, the flavor of it. You know, obviously we're not trying to copy a track. We're trying to just 
yeah. uh, take the essence of it and use that to uh, create something new. Mm-hmm. In many cases, uh, in several cases, we were inspired by Chris Madigan's music, the composer of the Cuphead game. Yeah. And I would listen to his tracks and be, okay, I don't, I love his music, but it wasn't, I couldn't be precious about it either. I didn't have to recreate his music note for note. I would sort of start with with a recreation that was maybe a little bit faithful, but then all of a sudden, sudden it goes into new directions and starts doing new things. And um, I think that was a proper way to sort of uh, take that and pay a uh, tribute to Chris's work in the game, mm-hmm. but also try and create something new with it. Yeah, and of course, I mean, the way the music operates in the game is so completely different just because of uh, how game music operates. But uh, but yeah, the the flavor... It's, it feels like Cuphead, right? But it feels like your Cuphead, mm. which which I really like. Um, uh, but with regards to those, you know, some of those scenes where you're changing on a dime, one, one of the ones that really stuck out to me, too, was this dance-off that Miss Chalice has with the devil uh, toward mm. the end of the third season. And, you know, each time they're trading dance moves, the style changes, right? Because you're either scoring the yeah. devil dancing who everyone hates right. or Ms. Chalice, who everyone loves. So uh, <laughs> that that was a really fun scene to watch. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. Uh, that was the most challenging thing in the entire series. Really? Was scoring that dance finale that you pointed out. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was a monster. Uh, wow. I don't know how long it is, maybe a minute and a half or two minutes, but something. there was so many moments to hit across that span of time, you know, down to the wink of an eye, to the way a twirl, even all the tap dancing is stuff that I did. Yeah. You know, I I um I actually took a tap dancing class right. at one point. Uh <laughs> which was the extent of my music education. Yeah. So I have a good sense of the of the patterns and the rhythm. I didn't actually, you know, dance the parts, but I had taps that I recorded. Oh, you, know, you did those and, taps. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. So uh <laughs> And then awesome. I would sort of, uh, through the magic of editing, sort of manipulate that and go frame by frame and watch where the feet were landing Amazing. and then place every single tap where it was supposed to go. Wow. So it maintained the, uh, the rhythm and yep. also sounded proper. And uh, Yeah, it was nuts. That I spent a lot of time just on the tap dancing alone for that sequence. <laughs> that you sequence know? is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Really, really proud of that. Yeah. You should be. I mean, because <laughs> it's not just it's not just the two dancers, right? It's all of these moments where the audience, where the music will stop and the audience will be like, <gasps> you know, or something. And so you're having yeah. to like pause the music for a minute. You know, I mean, it, it was jam-packed with uh with musical wonderment. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That means a lot, honestly, because uh I remember just sitting here, was it I guess it was earlier this year working on that for hours and hours and days and days. I'm thinking, is this going to work? Is this going to pay off? Uh, and I'm so glad it did. And I'm glad yeah. you, uh, you love it, Emily. Thanks so oh, much. Yeah, for sure. No, it's great. <laughs> Um, and then kind of on the flip side, you know, every once in a while you kind of are just gifted like 
a musical montage, like when King Dice gets his makeover. So oh, yeah, you're yeah. not necessarily scoring right to specific seconds as much as Correct. just scoring the whole overall idea. Just so the feel. talk about that. Just the yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's another fun thing to do. Besides the chases, doing those montages where you get the freedom and the time to sort of create a mood. Uh it's very rare in animation because right. look at we are moving from scene to scene. Cues are, you know, 10 seconds long, 20 seconds long. Uh you're lucky to get like a cue that could go on for more than 40 seconds. And when you do, like in a chase or a montage, you're like, ah, you could almost take a breath and like start creating a mood, a mood mm -hmm. piece rather than something that needs to do a million things. Um, and that was interesting uh, because one of the things that, that I always felt like a little peeve was um, the songs always sort of cut off because obviously we're trying to tell a story. Yeah. So the songs would get interrupted or they have to be short. And I was like, God, I really wish these could be realized as proper songs at some point. And when Netflix came to me uh, about potentially releasing some music, mm -hmm. one of my first ideas was, well, let's start with doing a album of the songs of the Cuphead show. And the thing with these songs is they're all kind of short. And I said to them, I'd like to take these songs and actually complete some of these. Um, in the case of the devil song, which was in, in the pilot episode, was interrupted by henchmen. He comes in and he stops him. The devil screams at him. I thought, people need to hear the rest of what the song was supposed to be like. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, King Dice's song and a few others. We had uh, the foresight to record additional verses. I remember nice. saying early on, like, let's let's get uh, Wayne Brady to record a few more lines. And Dave Wasson wrote these great lyrics. Uh, we recorded them. We got stuff with uh, the devil, uh, Luke, and we put out an album, the songs of the Cuphead show yeah. with extended versions that people, that nobody has heard, additional lyrics that maybe tell a little more story, you get a little more insight into the characters. And uh, yeah, I think a fan response has been great. I think people really enjoyed hearing these extended versions of the songs. Yeah, I think the expanded anytime, I mean, people just love the franchise so much, right? They love the characters yeah. and they love the world and it's just like fun to, mm. to find ways to experience it, you know? So yeah, and the album's right. great, it's on Spotify. talking with a company called I Am 8-Bit, which put out oh. the uh, original soundtracks for the Cuphead game. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much I could reveal, but I could say that there are plans for more. Okay. This is, uh, frankly, the, the this soundtrack is really the tip of the iceberg in many ways, because, you know, nobody, we haven't put out all the jazz, all the chase music, right? all the montage music, all the incidental background stuff that's, uh, in some cases, a uh, uh, orchestral just maybe some like amazing mood stuff with uh organs and stuff that i really love mm -hmm. um and just just the the funny little jazz pop tunes um that are scattered throughout the entire series yeah and that's what i'm looking forward to uh releasing at some point i think that deserve a life deserves a life of its own um so we'll see what happens i'm not gonna say i can't, can't really say more than that yeah yeah but 
there's a lot of talk and hopefully this is all going to happen at some point. Good. Yeah. I like the tease. Uh, yeah. I, I am curious uh, about, because so many episodes seem to have music as a, kind of a main part of the story, whether it's the dance-off that we were talking about or the ep- mm. episode that precedes it, which is Ms. Chalice getting in trouble at the orphanage for dancing so much, oh, right. uh, which is right. great. Uh, there are a couple Christmas episodes that have a bunch of songs scattered in them. Yes. <laughs> um, but also there's like uh, the King Dice episode, of course, has a lot of music in mm. it. And I know you write for, you know, you've worked in animation before, and I'm curious if you you find that this kind of secondary focus uh, on music in these Cuphead episodes is kind of unique to Cuphead, you know, that there are so many episodes that have this music component be so front and center. It feels like it just makes perfect sense in this world, Mm -hmm. in my mind, especially if you consider the the era that we're referencing where music played such an important role in animation. At that time, I mean, you used actual orchestras to record music for animation. That was, uh, yeah. studios had that much respect for the medium that they would spend the money to do these sort of things, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, in this day, budgets are tighter. You know, it was a challenge to even get the musicians we were able to get for this show. Um, but it had to happen. We had to have live players. This couldn't be, you know, electronic stuff or uh, all sample-based or whatever. Uh, it had to be done the right way. And it's so rare nowadays too, you know, I remember, I worked on a show called Harvey Beaks at Nickelodeon, and that became the first show, at, uh, proper Nicktoon, to use an orchestra ever. Oh wow! Uh, and that was just a few years back. I mean, I think that should happen all the time. I think you know, I wish cartoons would include that in budget so that composers could work at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, cartoons deserve it, and and the artists deserve it too, and the fans deserve it. They deserve that quality and level of music. Mm-hmm. So I'll always advocate for that whenever possible. Getting live musicians, real human beings, putting their fingers on things and, you know, <laughs> yeah. blasting air through horns and yeah. making sound for us. Yeah. Probably my favorite, uh, I'm just pulling up my questions here because I didn't have that done. Um, I love uh, the beginning of Roadkill, which is, um, it's the fourth season, fourth episode in season three. And it kind of starts with this like solo violin and then this, you know, the one of my favorite parts about the Cuphead sound world in general is the saloony kind of out of tune piano going on, (laughs) you know, which definitely kind of harkens back to the era. And sure. the vibes come in, and they've got their tremolo cranked all the way, which is also it's just great. Right, right. And then just slowly <laughs> add in like these, you know, like bassoon and clarinet. It's just it's just great. I loved how that kind of all just trickled in at the opening of that episode. Thank you so much. You know, I could. I'm a drawing a blank on what you're describing because oh, that's honestly, okay. I've, yeah. I've done so many. I know. <laughs> <of these things. laughs> at a certain point, I hear the music like today, and I'm like. 
oh, I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's becomes like, wow, I, I can't even remember anymore. I'm just, yeah. I'm like a, just churning this stuff out. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this before, maybe with you in our last interview, but the concept of inspiration, you know, um, I learned early on when I was faced with deadlines and the reality of how much output is needed um, that you cannot wait for inspiration. There's no, you know, mystical Bing sending me, you know, the notes. There's no muse. There's <laughs> yeah. just me sitting down as soon as I wake up at my desk and get some coffee and have some breakfast. As soon as my hands go down, I'm composing, mm -hmm. you know, and I have to trust my instincts, uh, trust my gut and know that I'm making the right choices because composing really is millions of choices all at once. Every time you pick like a note and you pick the next one, imagine if you were to stop and slave over, is that the right note? Like you just have to know yeah. and just believe that it's the right note and, and plow forward. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and that's not to say that I don't put a lot of care and love into what I do. And I believe it is inspired, but I could, I have to be able to summon that instantly. There's no waiting for it because this is due on Friday and there's a multi-million dollar production that's counting on me turning this in, you know, or I'm probably going to get right. fired yeah. if I tell them, you know what? God didn't speak to me this week. Yeah. I've just been sitting here, uh, you know, eating chips. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's just chaos because Cuphead isn't the only thing you're working on either, right? I mean, you have other projects that you're dialing in on all the time. Oh, sure. There's always something I'm working mm -hmm. on, but yeah, like something like Cuphead for sure demanded all of my attention. You know, it's it was just so intense, so yeah. much music. Uh, I have to sort of manage my time. And I do have an assistant that helps me in the studio, you know, maintain schedules and figure out how to get deliverables out and helps with, with a bunch of aspects of what I do. But it's like I just basically sit and compose every single day. And I try to find time off, but it's difficult. Like I just wrote to uh, Nickelodeon this week saying, can I take three weeks off in June? You know, and it's like, well, we got this and we got this Patrick Starr thing and we got this coming up. Like, okay, okay, let's figure this out. It's 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 rough, but I honestly at yeah. the same time I cannot complain one bit. I am doing everything I dreamed yeah. of as a young guy wanting to do cartoons. So completely blessed and lucky to be doing this work. I'll never take it for granted. But I could use a break now and again, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, we talked a, a bit last year about, well, I mean, I guess it, I think it posted earlier in 2022, but whatever. I think this is going to post in 2023, so we'll leave it at last year when we spoke. Uh, you had mentioned about, um, or, or we talked about just how special cartoon music is and, and how mm. special it always has been. And, um, you know, it's it's much more along the lines of, I think, of like how in opera, you know, comedic opera, especially uh, maybe like Rossini or somebody from that era where the score mm. really is like funny along with the music, you know, and it's it's just this, it's so different than, um, you know, a lot of other TV or picture writing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it true that Rossini was a magician? Did you ever hear that? I've never heard that. I know he loved to eat, and there are many famous dishes named after him. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah. He was he was he loved to throw big parties and just have all the best food. And so yeah, there's like oh all kinds of dishes named after him. Yeah, but I don't know about That's the magician great. thing. That's amazing. I I want to know more about that. <laughs> yeah, I was at the uh, I was watching magician perform yesterday, and okay. he 
he brought out what he claimed was Rossini's table and box that he bought in an auction of a trick that he created. Huh. And he he said, it said Rossini on it. And he said, he also wrote music. So I assumed it was the exact same guy. Right. Uh, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know either. I, don't know. He, I also know he retired when he was like 35 or something like that. He'd made so much money on opera that he, he quit writing opera altogether when he was in his yeah. mid-30s. So maybe he picked up the magical arts after that or something. It's I don't totally know. possible. It's I completely see, possible. If I ever retired... Yeah. yeah, if I retired, I think I would dabble in magic and <laughs> cooking. Why not? Yeah, you know. yeah, of it's course. Amazing. But you're, you're right about what to to what you were saying. Cartoon music is like the last. If you t- if you take it on its own, it is like the last of like avant garde composition. It's so fascinating to hear a cartoon score on its own. Sure. The first time I heard Carl Stallings isolated scores for the Looney Tunes. I mean, it is the weirdest. If you didn't understand the concept of, you know, moving pictures attached to this, it was the weirdest music I ever heard in my life. It's just absolutely <laughs> experimental avant-garde yeah. stuff that's going back and forth, like nothing you've ever heard. Um, it made such an impression. I think those cassettes, at the time I had it as a cassette, uh, of the Carl Stalling scores from Looney Tunes, Golden Age, like was a huge inspiration. Just hearing it like that. It's like, wow, the artistry in this is phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, I encourage your, your listeners or watchers to uh, look that up because it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, these songs that you released, I'd love to know a little bit more about them. If you want to just kind of, like, do you have favorites? I know that, I think the Devil's Song was the first one you wrote, isn't it, for the whole series? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So these songs... These songs were collaborations, mostly with Dave Wasson, who was the guy that you know created the show, and mm-hmm. also Cosmo, um, who uh, wrote some of these songs as well. So in general, someone like Cosmo has a lot of musical ability. He would give me a demo, like, here, this is my idea for the song. I would take it and produce it and bring people in for it. You know, like, I'll call musicians that I like, or I'll, I found the singer for the theme song. Like, uh, I got this great gal that could do an amazing soulful vocal um so that was my job sort of taking these things um dave would write fantastic lyrics and sometimes he'll just sing them into his iphone and be like hey what do you think of this this will work i'm like this is great and you know my expertise is like i know how you know the the cadence or like the amount of syllables that we need per line and Mm -hmm. where it should start rhyming and maybe cut out this word because it's too long you know so i'll take that and edit it into something that makes sense musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a lot of the process. Uh, my favorite songs, I mean, the Devil's Song is so special to me because I feel like that's yeah. what got me the job and that's why we're here today. Yeah. Uh, um, that And now my new favorite is Roll the Dice, the King Dice song. Because that was so fun to do. Uh, I made that demo early on. I sang the whole thing. There's a, One day maybe I'll share a version of me singing it. Uh, not as good as Wayne Brady, but it's like, you know, I had to sort of get the idea to Wayne, like, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you always feel a little shy and embarrassed because I'm not necessarily the best singer, but I know how to get my ideas across. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so that was a blast um and you know the thing that that uh one of the things now i'm very proud of on the album is the fact that i put the dance battle in there i initially yeah. did not want to put it on there and my assistant ben convinced me uh yeah. he says you have to put that on there it, it it's like a, a great bookend to the whole uh this first record uh and i didn't want to put it on because i thought it's got to be just songs Mm. But I figured in the end, like, this is a taste of what the next album is going to be. These instrumental pieces like that, um, that showcase the jazz from the show. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the idea was to say, like, this is, if you like this music and you like this, we're going to get more of this in the future for sure. I guess, yeah, talk to me a little bit more kind of about choosing the palette and ha has it changed much since that first working on the first season or are you pretty much kind of sticking to, you know, the same instrument choices more or less? No, yeah, definitely. I think the palette is what puts you in that time and place mm -hmm. uh, as a watcher, um, as a fan of the show. I think that takes you exactly where you need to be. Um so we've stuck with the tr traditional instrumentation that you would hear in the 30s. Um, in my case, things usually start with um, bass, piano, and drums. I think a lot of times for the jazz pieces, I would write that and perform that first. Mm. Uh, once I got that foundation, I would come up with melodies and then assign that to the woodwinds. You know, start with the baritone sax, tenor sax, alto sax, clarinets. And then uh, to fill it up, give it a little more heft. You got your trombones, uh, trumpets. Always like think you have to be careful with the trumpets because they are almost like the same frequency range as a voice. Like Miss Chalice and a trumpet are not much different to me. So you have to give them a place. Yeah. Uh, in you know, like if there's someone's talking, you cannot have a trumpet playing with that voice. You have to. Yeah almost like in a song where you have call and response like you have a someone uh singing a line like it's like you have to trade back and forth because these are like similar frequencies uh so when you're scoring you have to be aware of that stuff um these higher frequency instruments cannot interfere with dialogue so maybe you keep it you know with something like a clarinet underneath that part um so yeah that's sort of the 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 main instruments I would use for this stuff. Uh, and then uh, I love marimbas. I love xylophones, like with the tremolo thing that you were talking about. Yeah, That's such a great sound. That is one of my favorite sounds. And then on occasion, like organs, like for the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the weirdest stuff we did use was um, like a musical saw. That was fun. Okay. I found a player in Greece uh, nice. that did that. And that was a blast. Um, <laughs> violin, fiddles. Um, you that, think with a musical I mean, saw, not to interrupt you, you think you'd find that player in like the Appalachian Mountains or something, not right? Greece, you know? Like, I didn't expect you to say, I found him in Greece, you know? Like, I know, I know. It's weird. Uh, that maybe was one of the, the positives of 
were finding people during the pandemic because I probably would have never uh, did that search. Right. You know, I would have tried yeah. to find someone locally. Sure. Initially, I was trying to find local musicians to bring into the studio to record. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the goal. But, you know, yeah. it all changed. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So is this, when you, you do these spotting sessions, is the sound design even in there yet? Or is it just silent video? No, I think sometimes there's like a temp uh, okay. sound design stuff uh, for a few key moments. Uh, maybe there's like temp music on a few places. Oh, yeah, there's a yeah, there's definitely a lot of temp tracks of music. And I think there may be sound effects, but I I probably mute them if they're there because it's okay. it's uh I'm trying to work without like referencing or, or being distracted by those things. Mm -hmm. Um sometimes I try to create musical versions of sound design, you know, yeah. and then it's up to the directors to decide, like, well, we have a a a actual real impact of a slap or ego's interpretation of a slap through a drum symbol and a snare. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll decide like what's more fun, what's a more interesting or funny way to do this gag. Maybe it's all only the music or maybe it's just this, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, and those are decisions that happen in the mix house for sure. Okay. So okay. Uh, I provide all these elements and then I let those guys figure out what to do with them. Yeah. One of my favorite, yeah. uh, um, examples of scored sound design is the game Bioshock Infinite. I talk about this all the time on this show. Mm. People are probably like, good Lord. But it's they every time you got a headshot, there was a string hit, a, a stinger of string, like a string oh, chord. Wow. And I thought that was so yeah. cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> Instead great. Instead of just some other kind of stinger. I don't know. Yeah, because that music is, is all a small string ensemble. And so it was just really mm. effective to have those. Um, so scored sound design is, is pretty cool sometimes for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I gotta check that out. I gotta. What yeah. uh, what what video game music do you like that you would recommend to me? Oh, uh, because I'm I just mean. not a big. I'm not much of a gamer, and I I understand and respect the medium as like this seems like it's the final art form. So I'd love to learn more about it. There, what do you like? There's so, so many. I mean, that's honestly probably one of my favorites is Bioshock Infinite. But yeah. then uh, one that came out in 2021 is a game called Unpacking. That's a really fun example of like kind of mixing an older style with a more modern style. Um, there, there's a, a game that came out uh, earlier in 2022. It's like second quarter of 2022 that was written by a fella in Switzerland, just this young guy who wrote this just amazing, just got all his friends to come over to his apartment and record cool stuff. And that series is called FAR, F-A-R. And then there's Changing yeah. Tides and Lone Sales. Those games are both great. I mean, I just, I love the scrappy ones, you know, the ones where, yeah. you know, where you're just kind of piecing things together. And But I also love like, huge giant epic ones too i i don't know i i kind of run the gamut but there's so many good examples and and especially the games that you know use music as as their main main deal but yeah i mean i could i could give yeah. you a list sometime <laughs> send you That's some great. videos yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i just i haven't played games since you know my original nintendo you and, played uh, Animal Crossing during the yes, pandemic. Yes, that's true. You said, You're right. Yeah. That that got me through the pandemic. <laughs> so that was me coming back into video games. I got two games. Yeah, I got uh, that and the Untitled Goose Game. Oh, and I would just sit there with those one. two. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah. as far as video game music, like Koji mm -hmm. Kondo, the guy that did all the classic Nintendo stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just fantastic. It's uh, so all good. the Mario music, the uh, mm -hmm. Zelda stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, his approach to ragtime is just brilliant. And I honestly feel like if he was around in the 20s, like he would be like the level of Scott Joplin because oh, the, yeah. the, those ragtime pieces that he's written for the Mario games are just phenomenal. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Rag. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a lovely world of music that I think people are too quick to dismiss sometimes, but, uh, right. you know, it is, they probably do that with cartoon music too, to be honest. Um, mm. yeah. Well, what more do you want to say about, you know, what you're working on? Let me see. What are you working on right now? That's I got not some interesting stuff head. coming up. Yeah. Uh, um, let me see how much I could say about this. <laughs> One of my next projects is going is going to bring me into the world of superheroes. Okay. And I won't say Marvel or DC at this point. Yeah. Or who or what. Yeah. But that's that I guess that's all I can say for now. So it's okay. exciting. It's yeah. uh yeah, it's uh we'll talk about it. In next year, probably. Good. You know, yeah. We'll get together again and talk about that. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm trying to compile, like I said, the Cuphead music. There's so yep. much stuff I'm to sift through and organize and complete. And what I mean by that is, again, I'm dealing with all these tiny yeah. little jazz cues that kind of end right here. And I really want them to be like this, you know, a proper two or three minute jazz pop song is what i want to hear uh so the goal is to flush these out into proper songs and then we'll talk about getting it out to the world in some form yeah. with the help of uh, i am 8 bit uh yeah. who've done these amazing releases for a bunch of great games mm -hmm. um and beautiful packaging so we're talking about something grand and again i probably can't say more than that <laughs> without getting in trouble but uh yeah. let's see what happens with that that'll be really exciting yeah. Uh, um, and a few other fun things in the works. Um, boy, I'm not allowed to talk. Everything's like they give me yeah. these things to sign and I have yeah, to be careful yeah. and can't get people in trouble. It's, but, it's, uh, it happens every interview I do. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any any personal projects that you're working on? Do you even have time for that to write some, some music for the sake of I, writing music? My personal goals are to start performing live again. Nice. Um, okay. I feel like I've been creating all this music uh, and I've always been a, a performer at heart and I'm trying to figure out a way to somehow combine the world of, of scoring for cartoons and live performance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it has to do with, you know, I have to talk to Netflix. I have to talk to Nickelodeon figure out a way to formally and properly do a show of stuff that I've written. You know, I've been inspired a lot by seeing what Danny Alpin has done live. It's been tremendous. Like mm -hmm. these beautiful retrospectives of uh, retrospective of his career, uh, performing the music that he's done. And I would love to do something at a smaller scale. Obviously I'm not at that level, but I think uh, there is an audience for this stuff this weird cartoon music that I love. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, that's one of my personal goals to figure out how to get on stage again, doing fun, wacky stuff. That's how I started, frankly. I was I, just going to say, that's how you got making yeah. fiends. Yeah. Absolutely. I was making, you know, I made albums of music for non-existent cartoons. <laughs> and I would play that live with an ensemble. It was just strange little tunes, instrumental tunes. Mm -hmm. And I got a cartoon job from it. And I sort of want to go full circle back into now performing. I mean, in my mind, it's like performing the music that I've written for SpongeBob or yeah. Making Fiends or Harvey Beaks or, and you know, mm -hmm. Cuphead, all this stuff. Like maybe there's a way I could get this to happen. Oh, so that's sure. one of the big dreams. I'll I, figure it out at some point. Yeah, I think you will too, because I feel like even here in Minneapolis, there's mm. there's a band, uh, their name is funny. They're the Poor Nobodies, but of course, when you say it, it sounds like the Poor Nobodies. Uh, but they and they perform live to silent film, and I know there are other groups around the country and other places that do that, yeah. where they'll bring in a live band for silent film, which is really fun. Or you know, like you were saying, what Danny Elfman will do, or you'll go see a John Williams movie, and the symphony will play the score while you're watching the movie, or something. You know, I mean, the infrastructure is there for you to succeed. I feel so. I feel like you'll be able to find right, a way right. to make it happen. You know. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Thank yeah. you for that. I'll, I'll oh. try to make it happen. Yeah. I'll keep you posted. If you need an and MC, let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to say, I just heard the news this morning. Uh, Angelo Badalamenti, rest in peace, composer, of course, of the David Lynch films. Yeah, Twin starting Peaks with, uh, and all that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All Twin that Peaks. stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, wonderful composer. Super inspirational for me. Yeah. Hearing those tracks early on, his... His take on jazz, sort of dark, yeah, you know, unsettling version of jazz really inspired me. It's like, wow, this is just, he's creating new worlds of uh, new emotions that I've never felt from jazz music. Um, just great. And um, sad to see him go. I'm, I wish I could have oh, met him man. or just yeah. said thank you or something. But right. yeah, love oh, Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah, but yeah, I just found yeah. out right before our interview. Oh my goodness. Wow. wow. What an icon. What a legend. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. S such a great, like you said, mm. just able to find those dark corners somehow, oh, yeah. you know, but with light. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Right. Oh, I'm sorry to hear right. that. Mm. Mm. Left a legacy, that's for sure. Emily, I want to thank you for taking the time of to talk course. to me. You got to understand, I, I, uh, I sit in my cave working, <laughs> and it's always like I feel like I have like, like it's like diarrhea of the mouth. As soon as like someone wants to talk to me, I'm like so excited <laughs> to share because you know I just I'm quiet most of the time. Mm -hmm. And finally, like someone wants to know what I'm doing. It's like, ah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so thank you for uh, taking the the time and interest to talk about this stuff. It's it's of really course. fun for me. It's such share. a pleasure to to get a talk with you again and to experience your music. I just always enjoy every moment of it. So I really oh, am excited so much. To, for whatever's coming next, as always, Ego. When you're blue and feeling down. 
sunshine all around. You gotta turn that frown upside down and sail across a rainbow. Thanks for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Ego Plum, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Ego on the Level with Emily YouTube channel, and please do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our new vids. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.